0: Hello, and welcome to What to Say When Things Get Tough, a podcast dedicated to helping you communicate more effectively in difficult situations, both professional and personal. I'm your host, Leonard Greenberger. Over the course of this podcast, we've talked quite a bit about how people assess risk, the filters that influence those assessments, and how risk assessment and perception play into effective communication in difficult situations. So as a quick review... The simple truth is that as human beings, we're pretty lousy at risk assessment. That wasn't always the case. We used to be very good at it back in the day, say 10,000 years ago, when risk was pretty simple. Don't eat those berries, because when our ancestors ate them, they died. Run from the saber-toothed tiger, because it can hurt you real bad or even kill you. And stay away from the tribe down the river, because whenever we run into them, we wind up fighting a war. In other words, long ago, the risks we faced and the things we feared were pretty much well-aligned. But that's no longer true. As technology advanced and civilization developed, our risk radar began to fail. To the point that today, the risks we face and the fears we share are mostly out of whack. As one off sighted example, I've done it here on the podcast several times, almost no one is afraid to drive, even though it's incredibly dangerous but millions of people are afraid to fly even though it's incredibly safe. Trust, control, and benefits are some of the filters that influence our perception of risk and help to explain why our assessments are often disengaged from reality. All of those things, for example, work to make us think that driving is safe. We trust ourselves behind the wheel. Surveys routinely show that 95% of Americans consider themselves to be above average drivers. We feel we're in control when we're behind the wheel, even though by definition, Accidents happen that we can't avoid and we see the benefits of driving how many of us would even be able to enjoy the lives We lead without our cars we covered this topic in depth in the very first episode back on June 18th If you'd like to go back and listen again now This is not necessarily a filter But most of us face an additional barrier when it comes to accurately assessing risk and that is that we have a very difficult time comprehending really big numbers Some of you may remember the avian flu scare back in 2008. Now, compared to what we're going through now with the coronavirus, avian flu was barely a blip in public health history, only around 100 deaths worldwide and none here in the United States, but at the time it received a lot of attention and generated a lot of fear. In a New York Times column at the time, an Ivy League scientist, whose name unfortunately I can't recall, wrote about why an almost imperceptible public health threat caused so much fear among Americans. He cited some of the filters we've discussed here. Avian flu was unfamiliar to people, and so it was scary. It wasn't something we could easily control. And the media treated the global outbreak as major news for more than a year. But the scientists placed most of the blame for why we misinterpreted the true threat of avian flu on people's misperceptions of big numbers. Here's a quote from the column that I will always remember people have a very difficult time judging and processing big numbers. Let's say 2,000 Americans out of a total population of 300 million contract avian flu. Surveys show that most of us will assume that we're going to be one of the 2,000 people who get sick, rather than one of the 299,998,000 who won't. You know, just looking at the straight odds, without factoring in other risk factors like exposure and underlying health conditions, The average American's chance of contracting avian flu at the time, based on these numbers, would be about 1 in 150,000 on an annualized basis. Now compare that to these other annualized odds dying from cancer, 1 in 6. Dying in a car accident, 1 in 103. Being struck by lightning, 1 in 500,000. Dying in a plane crash, 1 in 11 million. Being attacked by a shark, 1 in 11,500,000. Being killed by a shark, 1 in 264,000,000. And finally, winning the Powerball lottery, 1 in 300,000,000. Let's think about the implications of all of this for a moment. Your chances of dying from cancer are extremely high, higher in fact than from any other cause, with the current exception of COVID-19, which sadly killed more people than any other cause for the first time just last week. And when it comes to cancer, many of us accurately match the risk and how much we fear it. We take cancer seriously and try to do things that reduce our risk of contracting it. Many people don't smoke or stop smoking if they do. They eat right and exercise regularly. They go see a doctor at least once a year for a checkup. So again, when it comes to cancer, we're right about in line in terms of how much we fear that risk. But these odds illustrate the disconnect that exists when it comes to the mode of transportation that many of us fear. The odds of buying in a car accident on an annualized basis is only 1 in 103, but the odds of buying in a plane crash are 1 in 11 million. Yet we tend to think of driving as being safe and flying as being dangerous, as I mentioned earlier. When it comes to lightning, I'll argue that the real risk of being hit by it is roughly in line with our perceived risk most of us know better than to stand outside in a storm especially near a tree or a tower or something else that's tall we accurately assess the risk of a lightning strike and react appropriately and the last three are particularly interesting in surveys that insurance companies conduct every year shark attack routinely occupies a spot on the top ten list of things that Americans fear the most yet your odds of being attacked by a shark are actually longer than your odds of dying in a plane crash And your chances of being killed by a shark are astronomical. Yet every time we take the kids to the beach, my girlfriend admonishes them not to go too far out into the ocean because they might get bitten by a shark. When the simple truth is, that's just not going to happen. Those of you who recall episode one will remember that the fear of shark attacks skyrocketed after Jaws hit the big screen during the summer of 1975. That's when it landed on the list of Americans' top ten fears, and 45 years later, it's still there. And finally, think about the odds of winning the Powerball. One in 300 million. We're driven to play the lottery by a number of reasonable factors. It's fun. Someone has to win, so why not me? More people win lesser prizes than the big Powerball jackpot, and so forth. But one of the answers to the questions, why do we play the lottery, is that we simply can't comprehend the odds associated with winning. The numbers are just too big. Even though almost everyone who plays the lottery will never win a dime over the course of their lifetimes, Millions continue to play as one psychology professor put it recently because we have so much trouble comprehending huge numbers It's a lot easier for us to picture one winner than tens of millions of losers in Researching this episode. I came upon two interesting examples that illustrate how mind-boggling big numbers really can be The first involves the passage of time most people have a very difficult time understanding how significant the difference is between a million a billion and a trillion they just all seem big but when you think about them in terms of time, the difference is a little easier to compute. One million seconds is 11 and a half days. One billion seconds is a little over 31 years. And one trillion seconds is 31,710 years. The other example involves a simple deck of cards. As most of us know, a deck contains 52 cards, two through the ace and four different suits. But do you know how many different ways the cards will order themselves every time you shuffle? The answer is roughly 10 to the 68th power ways, or a 1 followed by 68 zeros. That's only a couple of orders of magnitude smaller than the number of stars in the known universe. It also means that every time you shuffle a deck of cards, you've put them in an order that has never appeared before in human history and likely will never appear again before the sun expands and engulfs the earth. Does that make sense? I know my head spinning so what does all of this mean for us when we need to communicate effectively in difficult situations for one thing it means avoiding big numbers hopefully you've gotten a sense of how hard it is for most of us to comprehend them if you use them in a difficult situation chances are you're only going to confuse people and potentially even anger them simply because they can't get their minds around big numbers if you have to use big numbers be sure to carefully explain them Many of my clients are involved in cleaning up contaminated industrial sites. State and federal laws dictate to what level those sites need to be cleaned, and these are often expressed in parts per million or billion, and even in parts per trillion. Let's use arsenic as an example. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency sets a limit of 0.01 parts per million for arsenic in drinking water. If the agency finds more than that, the drinking water is considered unsafe and has to be cleaned up. whenever clients need to share these kinds of numbers with community leaders and members I encourage them to provide some context I like to use grains of sand every ton of sand contains approximately 333 million grains so in three tons of sand one grain would be one part per billion and finally avoid risk comparisons we'll delve deeper into this topic in a future episode but risk comparisons are fraught with danger in a difficult situation In part, that's because of the filters that cause us to misjudge risks, but in part, it's because we have so much trouble handling big numbers that comparing two big numbers is basically impossible. So that's the story of big numbers and a little bit of an answer to why we play the lottery. This is going to be our last original episode of the year. Thank you very much for listening and sticking with me. We'll be back in 2021 with more content and interviews, all aimed at helping you communicate more effectively in difficult situations, both professional and personal. Have a joyous holiday season and a very happy new year. Thank you to Jim Cirillo of jimiumgroup.com for our original music and CC Snetzinger for our original art. Please send questions to wtswtgt at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at hashtag WTSWTGT. And please, always be positive.